Thank you for a very interesting presentation, exactly looking ahead, looking to the future. Uh, and now I would uh, kindly ask uh, Tony Rice uh, to take over, and uh, we have the banking panel, so I, I see the panelists in the back, Michael and Jop and Christos. Okay. Tony, are you? No. Do you want to speak from here or there? You want to do it from here or the podium? What are you like? Thanks, Nicholas. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Um, as you can see, we have a very distinguished uh, panel before you, if I could excuse myself from that, uh, for very experienced and, I must say, senior bankers who have been, I think, in shipping a, a long time. In fact, I think, uh, Michael, you're probably one of the few people in the room who has been in shipping longer than me. So you look very well on it, too. Um, if you look at the program, uh, Nicholas has not really tied us down to anything narrow. It's a very broad canvas, bank finance. It could even be anything involving non-shipping, but I think he meant shipping finance uh, for us to address today. So we did have some discretion um, what to address today. There's a huge um, range of subjects that these uh, gentlemen could probably address, but I thought what I would do would canvas some input from the congregation that makes up the uh, shipping finance church in London and get some indications from those people. What would they like to hear from uh, these guys? And what um, came back actually was remarkably consistent across the board. They wanted to know what were the major sort of internal and external issues that were challenging banks today. They wanted to know about um, the availability of capital in what's a shrinking market, how borrowers become eligible for that capital. We all know that many banks today are focusing on effectively the top 30 owners. Where does the rest of the huge shipping community access capital? Uh, people were interested on the terms and the cost of finding capital. And they are quite interested in environmental issues and the tightening constraints on both banks and the people who they finance in the shipping industry. And of course, there's also issues surrounding internal um, competition that banks in, that face themselves in, in relation to um, shipping. So we'll come across all of those in different ways in a moment. Let me firstly, if I may, just offer a quick intro to each of our uh, four panelists. Uh, Mike, I don't think needs an introduction. He's been with City for 
1977, I believe. Is that right? 77, Michael. He is the global head of shipping, logistics, and offshore for over 20 years. Um, he, in 85, he joined the shipping group um, in London. And since 1997, he has been the global industry head for City, covering their offices in London, Greece, New York, Tokyo, and Hong Kong. And in 2009, he was made the joint head of UK banking for City. Uh, Christos Sinakis uh, is the head of global shipping for DNB. Christos set up DMB's office in Piraeus back in 2008 and ran the office for six years to 2014. Afterwards, she made the, I think for a Greek shipping banker, very interesting and challenging move to the Far East and went to Singapore, where he became the um, head of shipping, offshore and logistics in Asia for DMB. In 2016, he was made a CEO and general manager of Banking Asia. And before DNB, he'd spent 10 years with JP Morgan, uh, specialising in areas uh, such as special situations and restructuring. So clearly you were very prescient getting your, doing, doing your sort of uh, background in that particular subject before you came into shipping. Um, Yip Gogles is the Global Head of Transportation and Logistics at ABN AMRO. Uh, this has been since June 2015, I think, 2017. Um, he's the head of large clients for shipping, intermodal, aviation, and logistics. That seems a very wide... Diversify. Diversify, yeah. Before that, for five years, he was head of the Oslo branch and responsible for offshore oil and gas and shipping clients across all of Scandinavia. And in earlier days, he'd spent a lot of time with Fortis Bank. Okay, so that's the um, the introduction to our panelists. And oh, Mikhail, I have forgotten you. That's because he's a certain football fan. Hmm? Are you are you there? <laughs> and Mikhail Stamen, of course, MD of DVP Bank and regional head of shipping for Europe. Uh, Mikhail is based in Amsterdam. Despite forgetting him, he's an old friend of mine. He used to help me a lot in um, arranging our Singapore dinners for bankers over at Marine Money in Asia. Sorry, Nicholas, for mentioning Marine Money. Um, uh, Mikhail was in Singapore for many years uh, with various senior roles for the bank in Asia, but also including the Americas. He's uh, specialised in the past in containers, car carriers and intermodal. And for five years, from 2005, 2010, you might recall, he was the head of syndications based here in London for DVB. Okay, um, let's start, I think, probably, right next to me. Yep. One of the questions that um, kept coming back to us from our questionnaire to people within the industry about this was, you know, what are you seeing as the current major market challenges and opportunities for the industry and your bank currently? Hmm. Um, does it work? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, um, for for us as a bank, uh, being very active in the shipping industry, um, I think the major reg um, um, 
challenges are coming from the outside, which are regulations, and they uh, they probably are equal to to many of the banks in this panel, but also others. Um, we've seen uh, the shipping markets becoming more and more regulated, and I think uh, for the right reasons. And um, also the banking and the financing market are, is becoming more and more regulated, also for the same reasons. Um, it's, it's very cyclical and we all had our own downturns. And clearly regulators worldwide, including the ECB, are putting a lot of um, emphasis on the capital reserved for cyclical businesses, uh, more than any other asset uh, that banks have. Um, uh, so that has implications as well as um, companies and projects in financial distress where regulators are more and more keen to yeah, put more scrutiny or more diligent um, stance of, of banks' balance sheets and P&Ls. Um, so that, that is, that is uh, one of the main things I think that that's we, we're busy with. Thanks. Yeah. Michael? I, I think very similar, but um, I think one of the things I heard the words traditional shipping finance on an earlier panel, and I heard uh, Stamatis talk about billions of dollars lost or hundreds of millions lost in dry bulk. I, I think that the shipping finance is actually undergoing a big change at the moment. We're almost sort of in the doldrums. There, of course, is a flight to quality, the banks doing it, and some people talk about only about 10 banks doing it seriously, which is almost as low as it got in, in the worst periods before, that apart from the flight to quality where people don't want to take too much risk because the regulators won't allow them, I think there are a lot of underlying things going on. And you heard the, the last speaker from DNV. There's a huge change taking place in the assets that this industry is going to be using. All the banks now have significant ESG agendas, so the issue of regulation, not just on capital, but regulation around environmental issues. So it's almost as if we're not really interested in financing traditionally because there are other more important things that our own institutions are focusing on, whether it's also fighting for capital internally. But the industry itself is going through a dramatic change and one that you know, I don't think I expected to see in my career or even maybe lifetime. And I think that's what, you know, what we're seeing is not the old form of you know, a quiet period followed by a return to sort of cyclical financing as values rise. There are much bigger challenges we all face. And I think the other key thing, and we've probably got a, an economic downturn upon us too, which, which um, fortunately I think all of our portfolios and shipping generally because of low order books is actually well placed to face that. That the one thing that is going to be the big change is much lower leverage in the industry. So it'll take some time maybe before equity investors are lured back through consolidation and better freight rates. But actually banks are continuing to lower the overall leverage in, in their portfolios. And I think that is a change, partly regulatory, partly return oriented. And that isn't, that isn't a sort of cyclical thing, that is a permanent thing. And so we're in this sort of adjusting period. Now, there are other people, the alternative lenders, for example, many of whom are in this audience. There are other people providing what we used to call traditional shipping finance at a much higher price. And I think that will go on until, again, consolidation 
probably means many of those borrowers to them end up merging with each other. So there's huge change going on, um, and in may, many ways the lack of aggressive financing is a good thing and part of, a part of that adjustment. Thank you. I think it was very nicely summed up. Um, definitely the environmental responsibility is something that has uh, come very heavily when it comes to bank. It's something new for us, but something we are taking extremely seriously. Um, Michael is doing great work uh, spearheading that uh, in many forums for the industry, and I think a number of, of other banks are also uh, joining in. So I think we'll see uh, a lot coming from the banks there. But I think the main uh, difference and the main challenge when it comes to bank financing comes from the fact that uh, shipping is a very cyclical industry and it's a very capital intensive industry. And if you look at our regulators and the Basel III regulations, it's extremely difficult to make a profit uh, lending cheaply uh, to the industry. So the model that many banks have followed in the past, provide uh, big volumes of cheap bilaterals, is no longer viable. That's why we have seen so many banks reduce the portfolios or exit the industry. So banks have to look at themselves and figure out, okay, what can we offer over and above a cheap bilateral? Do we have capabilities of assisting companies in the capital markets? Can we lead a bond deal? Can we lead an equity deal? Also, the needs of the customers are becoming much more sophisticated. So I think the big challenge here uh, you know, for banks is to really serve their clients in a different way than they have done in the past. Uh, there is a lot of capital coming from China, quite cheap. So for European banks, with the regulations we have, the question comes, what can we actually offer to our clients over and above cheap money? So that's, that's really the big challenge that we've been uh, addressing uh, at, at DNB. Thanks. Miguel? Yeah, that's also where uh, part of the, the problem is, uh, because we shouldn't be offering cheap bilaterals. Uh, we should offer transactions uh, that are uh, sustainable, well-structured, uh, hopefully cycle-neutral structures, and that um, pay a return that, uh, that works, uh, whereby the product of a senior debt loan stand on, can stand on its own feet, and it's not dependent on the, um, the bank also uh, able to sell successfully other banking products. Because also those other banking products need to be priced uh, adequately so that they also stand on their own feet. And the problem is, if you start to cross-sell, then indeed it's, it's becoming cheap bilaterals, uh, maybe even with LTVs that are slightly above, uh, above the comfort zone, and are ultimately not helping the industry. Uh, Michael was also pointing to the, um, to the trend that senior debt is becoming uh, lower leveraged, and I think that's also a good thing for the sustainability of, uh, of shipping finance going forward. And if you look at the new entrants, uh, also touched upon uh, briefly, um, yes, the leasing structures that offered high LTV financing with maybe some pressure on, uh, on break-even levels. But the latest new entrants that we've seen, that's actually also well-structured, low-leveraged capital, uh, maybe with some flexibility in the amortization, which actually helps the, uh, the borrower in a, in a downturn, but not against uh, low pricing or high leverage. Thanks, Mikhail. Um, you mentioned um, Christos Basel III, but I think I will spare the audience and uh, yourselves any uh, questions concerning that, although, of course, issues surrounding environmental and other regulations are, are uh, impacting um, not just 
shipping banks, but the banking industry uh, generally, although shipping banks has its own peculiar um, industry requirements with sort of ballast water treatment, emissions controls, green recycling, etc. Uh, Michael, could I ask you, what, what does City um, do regarding these um, more intensive environmental um, constraints and requirements which are imposed on banks today? Well, I think, um, uh, and to be fair, you, you, um, the Dutch banks uh, have been at the forefront of this too, but one of the things we have to do, I think, is to find a sort of common playing field. There will be some institutions that want to be further ahead for, for various reasons, but I go back to the equator principles which City and some other banks led in 2003, which was establishing... Uh, a framework for measuring environmental and social impact of project finance. And we're looking at, um, as Christos referred to, there are a number of initiatives going on in shipping. The Dutch and the Norwegians have led on recycling issues um, in line with European legislation. Um, we're looking in a different forum at how to establish some similar things to the equator principles for shipping finance. I think the good thing is that those of us on this table and in the audience in shipping banks hopefully are in control of that agenda with their colleagues institutionally because the last thing we want to be do, told is how to do shipping finance in a way that doesn't make any sense to the shipping industry. So, but, but the point is we have to own that and I think one of the impacts on the shipping industry in, in its broadest sense is that these environmental issues and capital issues will become very, very important in the criteria is whether we actually have any involvement in the industry. If you think of the number of banks that have left the industry because of the amount of money they've left, the lost rather, there could be a huge number where the environmental tolerance for shipping or, or certain types of shipping um, disappears. I mean, whether it's the, you know, the, the tanker industry or whatever, one can't rule out that people in large institutions decide it's not a good thing for that institution to be doing that. Mm -hmm. I think as long as we collectively in shipping, the shipping banks can control that agenda reasonably in line with what the IMO is doing, then, then I think we'll be able to manage, manage through that. But I think the industry should expect the IMO to, having sort of made the decision in April, to be quite aggressive in its plans. And I think the finance community will follow that also quite aggressively. Okay, thank you. No, I think, I think it's an, ex an extremely important topic, and I think we will come to the very soon uh, to the point where we'll have to decide if, you know, going to recycling, for example, if a company does not have a responsible re re recycling policy, we will not be able to finance them going forward because the bank's boards demand that you know, we are not just compliant but environmentally responsible. Uh, and, it, and it's very important that we set the standards rather than have them imposed on us. And that's where we need also help from the clients. Um, you know, selling the vessel uh, to somebody else to scrap it is just not good enough. You know, you need to have a policy from your board explaining uh, and dictating how the vessel should be retired. That's extremely important. Mm -hmm. Thanks. No, I, I agree. This is uh, this is one of the, uh, of course, one of the most important topics uh, these days. Um, regulatory compliance, and especially with an env environmental focus, the banks uh, should take a leading role here. That's already been uh, been discussed on this panel, and I, th I think there's 
we will see a lot of a uh, lot of uh, developments in the next uh, 18 24 months on this field i'm sure Thanks. it's also uh, a, a, a very important topic to the to the non-bank uh, lenders that could enter into the industry all the institutional investors that we speak to they all look for uh, environmental sustainability in the project so uh, the industry will have to comply uh, the banks will help and it will that will ultimately assist in bringing in more good quality funding into this industry as well. Okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah I, I do agree with all, um, all of that. Um, we have indeed been uh, front runners for years in this topic. Um, sustainable scrapping, um, green recycling. Um, I think it's also up for us to, um, to, to, to finance and to sponsor an, a number of initiatives that are taking place. Usually these are suppliers to the, to the industry. Um, I think we as banks going forward can also look at the makers list and look uh, not only at the life end of the ship but also at uh, how it is designed um, and have some influence and, and make choices there. So that's in development. Um, banks will also look at their uh, going forward at the f at the footprint of the uh, of the fleet that they are financing. Uh, so we're 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 also developing that. Uh, we we I made clear also in New York uh, last time that uh, we will uh, not be getting involved into FNG labeled ships. Um, so the labeling of ships in terms of their uh, efficiency. I think is 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 pretty new and is um, is happening already in the real estate market, but if you do that um, consistently and if that is, you know, evolving into a into a more usable labeling, then you can uh, distinguish ships from each other, or operators from each other, and 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 make choices as banks, and that's indeed what we need to do more and more. Okay, thank you. I mean, interestingly, when I see from a lawyer's perspective the shipping industry compared to, say, uh, a project finance transaction with um, a leading export finance agency support, the uh, environmental conditions imposed on those projects are actually, I think, much stricter than what the shipping industry has so far had to comply with. So. I think in some respects uh, we are playing a bit of catch-up. You mentioned the equator principles, um, Michael, um, but certainly they apply with other OECD requirements imposed on borrowers, including things like environmental plans, um, which we probably can't understand how they may apply in shipping, but I can see that the industry will go down that road in, in some way in the future, and, and probably rightly so too, for the reasons that you've all described. We've covered basically external issues uh, which are impacting the banks, but if we touch upon some internal um, issues, not just bank regulations, but um, things like the competition for funds, because you're all competing internally for a certain pot of capital that you have available, or KYC problems, or corporate social responsibility, uh, are these issues which uh, you are finding on a day-to-day -day basis are, are um, taking up more of your time rather than the pure um, shipping customer business? Perhaps you could start on that, Christos? No, absolutely. I mean, there is a competition internally for funds. No bank is obliged to do shipping. You know, you do shipping as long as it makes a return uh, for your shareholders. 
Um, and it's very important that you actually try and figure out where you make money and where you do not. We went through a very big exercise at DNB the last year, reducing actually quite aggressively the number of clients that we cover, um, focusing on the ones that are profitable for us and focusing on the ones where we can make an acceptable return. A large part of our business comes from the capital market side. Uh, so, you know, we have focused on clients where we can uh, be helpful more than just on the lending side. Uh, so that has been a large uh, part of our decision making, but also risk has been extremely uh, important. The quality of the of the asset that uh, of the asset and the owner. That does not mean that you know traditional owners are not part of our portfolio. They absolutely are. But even there, we try to be uh, adding value a little bit more than just uh, you know providing a cheap bilateral, as I said before. Uh, so big competition of capital, uh, big competition on return. And um, this is what uh, will ensure that we uh, remain uh, in the industry uh, going forward. That, and that goes for all of us. Okay, thanks. Yeah, yeah for us, competition, uh, we found the industries is a bit, uh, bit less relevant. We are, of course, a transport finance uh, focus bank. Um, KYC, corporate responsibility, uh, those are all features that, uh, that are increasingly important taking more of our time uh, that is a uh, that is not uh, specific to a single bank that is uh, more applicable to the community um, but again coming back to to to, to crystals we, we probably represent two different uh, minds uh, sets or two different strategies because I would actually take the view let's make sure that the product itself shipping finance senior debt is adequately priced and structured so that it actually works and it becomes attractive uh, for for various parties to uh, enter into and to continue to to provide on a sustainable basis and um, and and then you don't need to cross sell you don't need uh, the other products to uh, to make up uh, the returns shipping finance itself should already generate those returns thanks ABN yeah I think um uh, BAL 4 regulations are coming, eh? so we all put the 1st of January 2020 in our books because of the uh, low sulfur regulations, but you could also put the 1st of January 2022 and then uh, gradually uh, the 1st of January 2027 in your agenda because um, in that period BAL 4 regulations will kick in and the capital charged for all the assets in the bank and all the European banks and far beyond will just be, you know, somewhere between doubled and tripled. And asset-backed finance, including shipping, um, will be, uh, yeah, will be in that category uh, as well. Um, and then, yeah, the, then the choice is, of course, um, yeah, within the bank, what, uh, what, what do we do with our capital? So that those are indeed uh, big, big themes with, with all of us, I guess, uh, including ABN Emerald. Um, secondly, um, what some what, what was said already is uh, is disintermediation is the bond market uh, the equity capital markets debt capital markets private placements we've done a lot of them those are um, opening up leasing companies insurance companies pension f pension funds sorry um, interested to to take on uh, a large chunk of debt at the moment but also in future I, I foresee. Um, then there is uh, indeed 
the lend lending itself needs to be more profitable. So I see pricing going up in the next uh, a few years, a lot up, as well as the flow over other products that the banks deliver. Uh, I mean, it's very hard to have a proper global cash management mandate or provide interest rate hedging or foreign exchange hedging if you don't have the clients and don't have the flow over those products. So these are themes that are very important for, for ABN and um, working hard on that. Um, yeah, maybe one comment that relates to this. I think there is a big, um, I repeat myself, but I think there is a big, um, everything becomes more expensive, capital, but also ships will be becoming more expensive as they comply to regulations. So we will have to get used to a much higher cost level. Don't forget the interest rates, will, which will go higher, are already much higher than they were last year. Um, so everything becomes more expensive. And there, I think there is, uh, there is a, um, a challenge there with the charters. The charters have to, have to really sponsor the innovation and come, with, come up with a lot of good charter years and, and, and days uh, to make that happen. And I, I, I don't see that unlocking yet, but that needs to come. Um, otherwise, uh, you know, the innovation and the new building of, of more sufficient and efficient ships is not going to happen. The financing is also not going to happen. Okay, thank you. Um, different, go ahead, Michael, sorry. <clears throat> um, I'd like to answer that question because I don't, I sort of agree with what's been said. If nothing changes, Bal for, well, four will put us all out of business, but actually I think things will change before that. Yes, things will become more expensive. But I think the other thing is, I think shipping finance, as described, is disappearing. I, one of the things, I mean, to the question you asked, Christos originally answered, we all have to deal with KYC, competition for capital. But actually it's about not being different from anyone else in your institution, unless you're DVB, which is very specific. You don't want to stand out. You want to be able to perform as well as any other business and portfolio so you have access to that capital. But there's one important difference, which is shipping is a dirty word in most banks and with most regulators. You can ask Hugh how he spent his summer with his regulator. Um, the point is the word shipping, I think, will disappear, and whether it's to do with technology and digitalization or the rest of it, I think we will see shipping not as an asset. We've never seen it as an asset finance business. We've always seen it as a cash flow business. But I think the ship itself, partly because, as you've said, it's going to get more expensive, more sophisticated to meet regulation, it will be financed as part of the global supply chain, whether it is the energy infrastructure supply chain or the container and ports, the, the, the finished goods supply chain. So the concept of shipping finance, and, and maybe Mikhail won't be in business still because if no one's financing ships per se, he won't be able to do it. And so I think that will change before we get to Baal Four, because actually no financial institution will get to Baal Four and then leave the business. It will have already worked out. It needs to get out of it. So I think the question is, if it stays as it is, things will get much more expensive and shipping finance will shrink to very little, or we've got a more fundamental change taking place where the word shipping will disappear from the lexicon, and, and I think that that's personally, I think, where City will go. Okay, that's interesting because we were going to discuss issues like banks, all banks have different models um, and how they operate within uh, the shipping or offshore industries. 
Um, but how do banks today actually make money in shipping? In the past, I think, City's model used to be to be the lead bank on large syndications and then to we, sell been, off in a secondary we've market. Cross, we've been cross-selling since yeah. 1990 yes. when we brought in internal return on capital measures that was, if you like, was competition for capital. So, yes, today we can make money lending money, but it's not a good use of our capital. And in fact, we don't look at it as lending. Lending is just one product in providing all sorts of different solutions for our clients. So it's clients focused of which use of the balance sheet, the, the big lenders who lent against assets are not on this panel. They're not here anymore. Mm -hmm. um, Mikhail, that probably has spike also affects DVB quite a lot as well in terms of, you know, what do you need to do other than just lending to your customers to actually make yeah, profit? We, we were never focused on cross-selling, and I, I, I think I mentioned it already earlier in this uh, discussion that, uh, that I, uh, ideally uh, it is it is happening, but not not at the expense of price or structure. Uh, so that a, a standalone shipping deal also makes sense. And um, yes, I also agree with um, with you that uh, the expectation is that uh, increased capital cost, uh, increased regulatory cost, will have to be priced in. So it will become more expensive. Um, the bank industry will have to pass that on to the borrowers and the borrowers will also have to be able to pass it on to the end users or to the cargo interest or to their clients. And uh, you touched upon it already. I think for the shipping community it is also very important that they're able to pass on the increased costs uh, driven by regulation, whether it's their own regulation or the bank's regulation, uh, to their clients. Uh, and that is not always easy, but but let's see. But back to back to banking, uh, I do see the, the the recent new entrants. They are not cross-selling, so they are providing capital to this industry without having to rely on cross-selling. So the trend is actually that the traditional cross-selling model, um, as undertaken by uh, a number of European banks or American banks, that. That is shrinking a bit in the context of the new entrants coming in that don't need cross-selling. Christos, could you give a very quick response on that? I have one more question I want to yeah, put I mean, by I mean, you. For, for us, you know, very quickly, just to give you my, some statistics, as I was looking at the last you know, 12 months for us, I mean, we have done around 50 deals on the lending side, pure lending, but more importantly, we have closed about 20 deals on the investment banking side. We've led 12 deals on the high-yield side, raising about $1.4 billion. And uh, we've led the six equity deals for about $600 billion in a very difficult uh, capital market uh, environment. So that's where we are transitioning, actually. Combination of solid lending, but also investment banking. That's extremely important for us. Okay, great. Um, I'll just skip on to one more question. We have a couple of minutes left. Um, and I think it's interesting for the audience and certainly for me that we obviously, you know, is there going to be some new capital available to the shipping industry um, other than the PE funds, Chinese leasing, the bond markets and IPO. And, and do you view these sources of new capital as being um, complementary to what you guys provide through your banks, or do you view it as pure competition? Um, perhaps you could start on that one, if I don't mind you, but then yeah. we'll go through it quickly. Uh, no, it's not competition. I, I do agree with Chris that uh, this um, look we look at at we work with clients and look for for solutions uh, for their for their funding um, needs. Um, 
whether they're growing or divesting. And um, I think we're in that in the same way. Uh, any, any solution that works for the client best is something we would advise on and look for, even if we can't provide the product ourselves. Uh, that is, I think, an honest way of, uh, and, and the proper way of dealing with uh, situations and clients. Advise them in, um, and and yeah, there are, I mean, um, there are apart from the products you uh, just mentioned, there are a lot of um, pockets of of senior traditional debt uh, popping up from all sorts of funds over the last few years. Um, they're either structured as funds indeed or as banks. But um, and they're typically looking at at uh, riskier, um, higher in the capital chain, but more um, expensive uh, structures, and that's that's fine. Okay. Yeah. Michael, how do City see that? Um, I think the inevitability is greater use of the capital markets as the industry consolidates. There's no question that consolidation will continue. I think we're still dealing with the transition of clearing up the sort of mess of the last few years, and I think that will go on for another two or three years. Many of the alternative lenders in the audience are part of that because they're unregulated. They don't have the same constraints we have. How long that lasts after that, I don't know, but I think that may well last if they remain unregulated, that they effectively do what Michiel's talking about. They become high-priced but traditional lenders where the big regulated banks are forced by their institutions to essentially be in the capital markets for the bigger companies. So that's where you may end up with a sort of two-tier type of market. But I don't think there is any new, new source. I mean, obviously, the Chinese could increase the volume if they want it, but um, I'm not sure that necessarily makes sense for many of the mm -hmm. European owners. Um, well, I think I read that in 2017, the Chinese leasing was 25% of total ship lending across the globe. So. Oh, there is a lot of capital available for sure. We do not view it as competition. If anything, it gives us the ability to uh, put transactions together and uh, help our clients raise money. The beauty about shipping is that it's self-correcting. There is a lot of capital for good projects and for bad projects. And sooner or later, people who invest in the bad projects get out of business. We have seen it recently, and we have seen it also in the past. So you know, the market fixes itself. Okay, thank you. Mikhail. No, we always uh, we also uh, welcome uh, welcome the new entrants, especially the recent trend. I touched upon it earlier. The, after the leasing companies that came in with high leverage, which is main, maybe not always uh, so healthy for the industry, the most recent entrants came in with uh, quite a conservative leverage. But then the flexibility on amortization to 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 work with the cyclicality of the project and the project cash flow and i think that's welcome so it's 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 robust it's sustainable it's conservative and then uh, we think it's good for the industry okay thank you well i think we're out of time aren't we nicholas i had three or four more questions i would like to have put to you but the clock's against us uh were you going to have some q a now nicholas or, or not What, five minutes, perhaps, or one or two questions? Okay, we have the okay from the organiser. Is, is there any questions from the audience um, for the panellists? We have one here.
at what level of interest rates do you see your existing portfolio moving into default territory? Who are you asking that of? The panel or anyone particularly? Any banker that wishes to ask. Who wants to take that? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's an issue yet. Someone who paid 16% on his mortgage in 1990-something, interest rates where they are, I mean, they're going up again this week, but I think it's not yet an issue. A number of companies who hedged when interest rates were coming down ended up with huge mark-to-market -market losses when interest rates kept sinking. So. There is an issue, make a valid point about credit appetite of going out, how long you go out, and that is a competitive uh, issue between banks and how they manage their long-dated swap books. But, but I don't think the interest rate risk from a regulated uh, institution is yet an issue, frankly. I recall fixing in my mortgage at 11.5 in 89 and was delighted when it went up to about 13 or 14%. It's unbelievable. Anybody else have a response on that? No. Any other questions from the audience? It would be nice if somebody answered the question of what interest rates do current portfolios start to move into default? I, I don't think you can. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's not really at the top of the, of the list when it comes to risks. And I, we don't look at it like this. We don't have projects, then, and, then, and then we map the interest rates and when do they actually go into default. I think you know, we are you know, quite comfortable that for the business we have selected, you know, they can withstand an increasing interest rate environment. Now, if interest rates increase you know, 20 times, then of course you have a problem, but how realistic is that? So you have to, you know, probability adjust things. But this is not really, I mean, we are more worried about what the freight market is going to do um, on the tanker side over the next six months. We see that as a bigger risk than a big increase in interest rates. That's my feeling, yeah. actually. Um, maybe it's a valid point. And if we see interest rates increasing very sharply, I think, you know, we, this will go certainly up the pecking order, but it's not there at the moment. Thanks. Um, Nicholas, should we wrap up? I think so. Okay, thank you very much, gentlemen.